There he goes, double R. What's up, man? Hey, buddy, how you doing? I am fantastic. Yourself? I'm good. Sorry I'm a couple minutes late. I was interviewing our old friend Sam Tripoli, who's going to be here in town this weekend at the Vulcan Gas Company doing some stand-up. Nice. Yeah. Friday? Saturday? Both? Friday, Friday night, yeah. Friday at 10 p.m. at Vulcan, which is uh, down on one end of Dirty Six, the end that's closer to 35. Are we going? I am going, yes. My cousin bought tickets. And so we have four tickets, and now we need to decide if we uh, we just want to have more room at our our table or if we want to have two more people go with us. Hold on. I kind of want to go. I like this guy. Yeah, Sam's good people. If you want to go, I'm sure uh, my cousin is a big fan of this show. I'm sure he'd be happy with that. So if you want to go, let's do it. Let's plan on it. When you say your cousin, do you mean your real cousin or the cousin that won $7,000 on the uh, Rangers? No, that cousin is me. I am cashing that check <laughs> in. Uh, this time tomorrow, I may be cashing that check in, as a matter of fact. We get into Vegas at 8 a.m. Vegas time, so I think by 10, I should be able to make it over to Circa. No, this is my real cousin. There you go. Oh, man, congrats. Yeah, less than 24 hours away from being $7,000 richer. That's... uh. That's got to be a good feeling. That must be how Jeff Bezos feels every two seconds. Oh, yeah. I was about to say. Every every time he uh, drops a number two and decides to wipe, he just looks at the roll of $1,000 bills coming off the toilet paper roll that he mm. uses. Are we talking about Bezos or Jimbo Fisher? Oh, boy. Both could work. They are both super rich without having to do another thing the, a day the rest of their lives, huh? Yeah, yeah not a no, bad. No. Somebody from AM was asking the question over the weekend about what AM could do to commemorate Texas joining the conference. It was a simple answer that they couldn't adhere to. Just keep Jimbo around for a few more years. That's all we need for you to show your appreciation for Texas being in the same conference as you again. It would have been nice for them to do that for us, you know, just keep Jimbo there. Uh, also, you know, the Aggie way, I feel like they're supposed to be a nice, respectful people, uh, you know, true to their word. You gave a guy a contract, you're supposed to let the guy play out the contract, right? Exactly. Because we at Texas do that all the time. We we have never fired anybody early, so uh, we're men of our word. That's what you're supposed to do at A&M, right? Isn't that their thing? Uh, yeah. yeah. It would have been nice. It would have been nice for Jimbo to stick around, but I think... Um, Somebody asked it earlier, like, if Texas wasn't 9-1, and one, would the Aggies have fired Jimbo? I, I don't think so. Like, I, I, I think with, you know, the Aggies, look, Jimbo Fisher's been bad. There's no way around it. But the fact that Texas is coming, and the fact that Texas is really good right now and in a much, much, much better spot than A&M is as a program, like, Texas does not, excuse me, A&M does not want to lose that game against the Longhorns next year. Yeah. And they do not want Texas to go into the SEC and have more success than the Aggies have had in the SEC. So, yeah, I think a big part of why now for Jimbo was the fact that now Texas is really, really good and they're coming to the conference next year. Hold on one sec. I just realized why I've got a weird shadow on me. I've got my overhead light on and it's bothering me. Give me just one sec. Okay. Didn't even notice the weird shadow. All right, there we go. Much better. No, it's just that ugly yellow fluorescent lighting that all bedrooms have that I've got decent enough lighting in my uh, my messy home office downstairs that when I see uh, something flawed like that, I've got to take care of it. I figure you were just throwing a tanning light on or something, trying to get a little color for these winter months. Oof, boy, I, I need to figure something out. I've got a little bit of raccoon eyes going on right now because I had one more soccer game or set of soccer games to watch this weekend. But thankfully, BK, even with my kids being decent enough to where it's not a complete beatdown, we are done with soccer for the next couple of months now. Halla freaking Luya. Congratulations. Thank you. Y'all win? Uh, Calvin's, yes, both teams won. Calvin scored one more goal. I, he was one of the top goal scorers on his team this year. And boy, your kid being able to score goals makes a Big difference in the overall entertainment value because I've had years where my kids haven't been the goal scorers. Oh. And the Vivian's team won too. I only got to see a sliver of Vivi's game because I did post game on Saturday, but that's okay. I've been to enough of her stuff over the years. I coached one of her teams for Pete's sake. 
Hmm. So I, I miss the occasional soccer game and uh, am not worse for the wear. Yeah, as long as they're not sitting down picking grass for the hour, then it feels like it's okay. But it sucks when any kid's doing that. It really sucks when it's your kid doing that. Oh, yeah. And you understand the kids that do because the parents are trying to get them into a sport and it's just not their sport or sports aren't necessarily their thing. But yeah, that I don't know if my kids would be able to get away with that because at the end of the game, I would be shit talking them until they they got their asses <laughs> up and started running into the ball. Uh, God forbid I ever have kids like that's what my kids will be like. I'm going to I'm trying to be Marinovich, dude. I'm trying to be Eldrick Woods. <laughs> like you, you pick up a golf club, pick up a football, a baseball, something like the moment you're out of the womb. I'm giving you some sporting tool to hold. Because we're making sure you're a professional athlete or at least a college athlete to where I don't have to pay for you to go to school. And then, yeah, we'll get to youth sports and the, the kid will just be like chasing bees or something out there. And, and they're going to be awful because they've got my genes. I tried. Yeah, that's that's my kid's problem, too. I tried to get both of them to be lefties as throwers and as kickers, too. Like even now, I'm like, look, you're going to be better at soccer if you can use both your feet. If you can get even stronger with your left leg, you'll have more opportunities because people want to put uh, lefties on one side of the field. But oftentimes you're just having to suck it up and deal with the righty on that side of the field because there are only so many lefties out there. But unfortunately, they haven't taken to that advice just yet. <laughs> we'll get there. They will get there. Lupe says, what's with the, with the app? I don't know what's up with the app. I've checked the app like 20 times today because we've gotten a few comments and texts from people asking what's going on with the app. Every time I pulled it up on my phone, it's working. Now, that, that doesn't do you any good. Uh, but try to close out and refresh and see if Lupe, that works. Lupe, are you on Android or an iPhone? Yeah, I'm on the iPhone right now. I know Check you didn't ask me. Too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what's, what's going on, uh, if something is going on right now. But maybe the name isn't updating. Maybe that's what's confusing people. But I hear us on the app. Yeah, you? I, I, I hear the I hear us okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Let me know what's going on, uh, you people, because yeah, once again, a few texts and YouTube comments today uh asking about the app. And I mentioned this earlier. I am and we are working on getting some sort of new app for Texas Sports Unfiltered. So hopefully uh we get whatever problems are popping up today resolved in the not too distant future. Okay, I'm glad C B is putting this comment on the YouTube comments line right now. It looks like Quinn is coming back in 2024. Multiple sites now reporting that he's likely back. This all stems from a report on Inside Texas, I think it was yesterday maybe, that said they have different sources telling them different things, one of whom is saying that he may very well be back for 2024. And I think the rest of Texas media is running with that now. Now, the Inside Texas report said their three different sources said three different things. One said definitely coming back. One said on the fence. The other said still likely to go. But the oncoming backside, it does make some sense if you think about how many other top-tier quarterbacks are coming out in this draft versus what is coming out for the 2025 draft. And I don't know what Quinn is going to do one way or the other. Would it be great if he were returned for one more year? Hell yes, it would be great, especially because he's had a really good season this year, one where it seems like he could be a day one or day two draft pick, but him coming back for another year would be great. I do wonder, though, because he's got to look around the receiver room and see that he's likely going to lose his top three receivers along with Jatavian Sanders, and if that doesn't factor into things as well. Yeah, I don't know why Quinn Ewers would have already made his decision, right? Like, I'm not going to say the other thing, too. Yeah, like he's thought, of course he's thought about it. Him and his family, I'm sure, have been thinking about it for like the last year. But um, I don't know why he would have already made his decision, right? Like, he he hasn't gone through the offseason. He hasn't talked to NFL scouts. He hasn't, uh, you know, gone through the pre-draft process or anything like that. So I don't think Quinn has made up his mind yet. Um, I don't think he's a first-round pick right now. I don't either. If he balls out these next two games and then Texas wins the big 12 and makes it to the college. But like if he, he has an amazing final month or two of the season, we saw Cardale Jones as a third string quarterback who didn't start until the playoff or until the big 10 championship game, become a second round pick in the span of like two months. So Quinn Ewers right now, probably not a first round pick. There's probably four or five quarterbacks who would have their names called before he would. But if Texas 
goes to the playoff and Quinn Ewers is throwing for 300 yards in all of these games to lead Texas to the playoff, then he might be a first-round pick. So he might go. Uh, I just I don't think he's made up his mind right now. Like, at this moment, it'd be smarter for him to come back. Like you said, I hope he comes back. That's no slide at Malik Murphy. That's no slide at Arch Manning. I feel like those guys have the potential to be great. But you always want a returning quarterback. And you can get a guy back for a third season as you make your move to the toughest conference in college football. Yeah, I would love to have Quinn Ewers back right now. But I don't even think Quinn Ewers knows what he's doing to this point. So anybody who's reporting that Quinn has definitely made up his mind about coming back or leaving, I just uh, I think it's lip service at this point. Yeah, I think that's the uh, the best way to think about it right now is that there's still a little bit less than a month of the regular season to go. You want to include the Big 12 championship game, which it does seem like Texas is all but assured to appear in that game here at the start of December. Feeling good about it? I am feeling really good about it, yes. Even with the possibility of Texas losing to either Iowa State or Texas Tech, it would take a perfect set of circumstances for them not to get in at this point i don't even know all the tiebreakers like i I tried to look some of them up this morning and it just made my head hurt so i'm just like let's just win these last two games like agreed i don't know who texas would play right like oklahoma state obviously oh texas and oklahoma state were tied for first going into the weekend so for both teams it was win out and you're in but oklahoma state got freaking boat raced by ucf on saturday so now all of a sudden the picture for them is not as clear so I, I don't know who Texas would play. I just do know Texas will get there if they beat Iowa State and Texas Tech. Yes, they will. And uh, all of a sudden, because of injuries, one particular injury, the task gets a little bit more daunting. And you're going to need to see a little bit more from the backup running backs and then also from Quinn Ewers too, BK, who, look, give him credit for sucking it up and playing on Saturday and putting up great stats he is still very much affected by that AC joint injury. I thought he played pretty well on Saturday. Um, I, I didn't notice too much of a difference from Saturday's Quinn to regular Quinn. Okay. And that, that, that might sound like a little bit of a slight to regular Quinn. And I think it kind of is like Quinn missed a couple of throws on Saturday that I feel like he misses in normal games. We've complained about his deep ball accuracy all season long, right? Like that was an issue before the air conditioner problem. And he had a couple that floated for way too long. Obviously, the interception, Jordan Whittington made the amazing play to, to overcome and offset that one. But uh, I thought the deep ball accuracy wasn't great. Uh, there were a couple of other misses that Quinn Ewers had that I, I think we've seen at times from him this season. But overall, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, what, 22 of 33 for over 300 yards? Like, he, he wasn't 100%. I'm not saying he was, but I don't think it was like that much worse of a normal or then a normal Quinn Ewers performance on Saturday. Yeah, I think that there was a lack of zip on the ball that you normally see. And the way that he was missing deep was that he was missing short, which isn't usually the case. Sometimes Mm -hmm. side to side, sometimes he'll overthrow a guy, but uh, he was badly underthrowing the ball. And I think that is the result of him not quite having that arm strength back. And same goes for uh, a couple of short throws, some of which his receivers bailed him out of. I mean, I know the A.D. Mitchell throw was technically a deep ball, but that was uh, a great example of his receivers uh, making sure that they're stepping up their level of play, too, if their quarterback is going to return maybe a week before he needs to. But even a Quinn who is uh, maybe slightly lesser, or maybe it's similar to what uh, what we saw before that injury, is going to be a much better option than anybody else on the roster right now, whether it's Malik Murphy or Arch Manning. And it turned out, even though you tried to throw the ball less in the second half, Uh, You needed him the entire way to make sure you got through that football game because unfortunately, BK, saw another example of this team build up a lead going into the locker room at halftime and then have to hold on for dear life to win it in the end. Pretty amazing, huh? I mean, it's like clockwork with this team. And uh, the weirdest thing is, you know, in the first half of the season, I mentioned this a couple of times, in the first half of the year, they were slow starters, but they were a great second half team. And now in the second half of the year, what, it's three times in... The last four games where Texas has jumped out to at least a 20-point lead, and they've had to hold on for dear life. The game in Houston, they were up 21 in that one. And obviously the game here against K-State last weekend and then the game in Fort Worth on Saturday night. It's uh, it's pretty amazing to watch. Now, the good news is Texas keeps finding ways to win, but my God, they are giving all of us heart attacks every single weekend. And yeah, just it's amazing how quickly things fell apart. They gave up 20 points in the fourth quarter. 
on Saturday. The game was 26 to 6 at halftime. It was also 26 to 6 after the third quarter. It's not like, you know, right out of the locker room, TCU just put up a couple of quick scores and, oh, they were in it the rest of the way. No, it was the same score after three as it was at halftime, but the wheels just completely fell off for the Longhorns in the last 15 minutes. It's weird because the Texas defense didn't face an excessive amount of plays or they weren't on the field for an insane amount of time, but they did look gassed in the fourth quarter. Like they just looked like a, a tired unit. And I don't know if that was maybe partially demeanor and them feeling what was happening once again, even though their offense wasn't putting them in as bad as situations or if they truly were tired, you know, as we get near the end of a, a long season where they've, been expected to play excellent ball to help this team win games at times, but it was uh, surprising and a little bit disappointed to watch the defense give up chunks of yards through the air, but then also on the ground too, which is obviously the more surprising uh, part of that equation and allowing TCU back into the game. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian. This is from the post game on Saturday. He was asked about just what went wrong with the defense in the fourth quarter. I just didn't think we tackled great today. You know. Um, Early in the game, I thought our coverage was really good. In the first half, we, we, we covered really well. We played the deep ball well. Uh, we broke up some plays. When they completed it, we were, we were tackling really well. But as the game went on, we just didn't tackle very well. You know, they, they threw a curl route, and we don't tackle the guy, and he splits us and goes down the middle and, you know, jumps over a guy, made the guy look like Superman, you know, where it should have been a gain of 10 yards. And so those are, those are things for us where we need to improve, you know. Again, if we do it right and we stop the run well and we get the lead and play well offensively, people are going to have to start to throw the ball, all right? Well, now they're going to complete some of those throws. That's okay, too, but you got to get them on the ground. And I, I just didn't think we tackled very good there, especially in the fourth quarter. It, it, it was not good enough. Yeah, he's not wrong. I mean, there were some miscommunications there. There was a lack of cohesion there, but uh, some sloppy tackling from this Texas team that allowed TCU to get right in it. And, and to your point, Trey, about – you know, TCU not holding the ball for that long or not running a ton of plays. Their last three touchdown drives totaled five minutes and 37 seconds. Like, they just marched down the field with ease to get back into the game. In TCU's last four possessions, they had 247 yards on 30 plays. That's 8.23 yards per play. Damn near getting a first down every single time they snapped the football, which is always bad, and it makes no sense after you kept them out of the end zone for the first three quarters. Like, just a total, total defensive collapse by Texas. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I think PK got a little soft, really. Like, he, he did what a lot of defensive coaches do. He had a big lead, and he's like, well, let's drop more guys in pressure. Or, excuse me, let's drop more guys in coverage to yeah. not give up the big play. And, unfortunately, Texas just isn't good at that right now. Like, you would think, ah, oh, we've got more guys in coverage. That means we're not going to give up big plays. But this Texas secondary just isn't good enough right now. Guys aren't good enough in coverage. The communication's not there. Uh, these guys are getting beat too many times. So the best defense for Texas, they need to be aggressive throughout. They blitzed a lot in the first half. They stopped doing that. And I think that's kind of what allowed Josh Hoover to get comfortable and allowed TCU to get back into the football game. Yeah, Bucky said that he remembers seeing Jalen Catalan in there at the beginning of the game. I wasn't paying as close attention early. I don't remember seeing him a part of the action of the second half, though. Did Jalen Catalan play on Saturday? I don't know. Um, I don't even know. I'm thinking about it. I watched the game twice, and I don't remember seeing him on the field. So I got to see if I could find a snap count real quick to see to see if he was on, but I don't remember seeing him out there. Just first thought. Yeah. I'm looking for a snap count right now too. Well, regardless, I mean, the guys that were in there, it was uh, unfortunately a mixed bag. Once again, like Terrence Brooks had a really nice interception on what looked like a man coverage at first that turns into a zone. He drops back and picks Josh Hoover. That was just a great defensive call. And uh, a guy made a play there. Keaton Crawford remains terrible at the safety position. I'm not sure why he's out there at all at this point. Let him just be a special teams guy. Is it because you want to give guys breathers? Do guys need breathers? Because if they need breathers, I'm questioning the conditioning. Uh, he is a uh, liability every time he's out there. I think if I'm uh, the opposition and I see him out there and I have a run scheduled, I am turning that into a pass and making sure I'm attacking whatever zone he's in or whatever guy he's responsible for covering. And uh, Michael Taft got hurt at one point, but he came back and made some nice plays. 
Jaron Thompson was uh, was up and down like we've uh, we've come to expect. And I'm looking at the participation chart right now. No, I do not see. Unless he's changed numbers from from number eleven, I do not see uh, Jalen Catalan in the game on Saturday, despite the mm-hmm. fact that we were told last week that he did practice. BK, this may be it for Jalen Catalan. We may not see him again the rest of the way, and if so, you know you you've been without him since the Oklahoma game, so it it shouldn't be that big of a surprise or shouldn't throw you too far off kilter uh, if he's not out there. Yeah, I hope he is. Uh, and you're right. I mean, Sark said all last week that Catalan had been practicing. And even on Thursday, Sark said that Catalan was going to be good to go. Right? He basically was asked about it after he said Quinn Ewers was going to start. Someone asked about Jalen Catalan starting. And he said, yeah, Catalan's going to play. So I don't know if there was a setback or I don't know if Sark was just lying the whole time. I don't know what the deal is there. You'd love to have him because uh, he's a very good player. But no surprise that he is missing time because that's that's kind of been the knock on Jalen Catalan. He's a really, really good player. And we got to see that at times this season for Texas. He just hasn't showcased the ability to stay on the field. That's what plagued him in Arkansas. And that uh, is unfortunately continuing to plague him here. And yeah, Keaton Crawford, I think he got a lot of snaps early, but he wasn't on the field much in the second half. Like I, I think the Texas coaches kind of realized that th- this guy is is not helping our cause right now. So I don't, I don't think he was in the game much in the fourth quarter, so I don't think you can put too much of the defensive collapse all on him. The biggest loss on Saturday was not TCU losing to Texas, BK. The biggest loss was Texas losing Jonathan Brooks for the season. Uh, just a heartbreaking uh, piece of news to get yesterday because Jonathan Brooks is a dude that has bided his time up to this point. Even going into the season, he had to bide a little bit more time because the coaches started C.J. Baxter over him the first couple of games. But when Jonathan Brooks finally got his opportunity, he proved that he was one of the most important players on this roster. And now the Longhorns are going to try and make it to win a Big 12 championship and possibly compete in the college football playoff minus uh, one of, if not their best offensive player. Yeah, it's a huge loss. Um, Having a great season, over 1,000 yards. He was over 100 yards in the game on Saturday, right? Like, he was playing really, really well. Obviously, had that big screen pass that he damn near turned into a 75-yard touchdown in the first half, too. I mean, he he has been a godsend for this team, and no one was quite sure what to expect from him this year. No one was quite sure what to expect from the running game this year after both Bijan and Rojo went to the NFL. And then I felt great about Jonathan Brooks all offseason long, but then the coaches announced C.J. Baxter as the starter, and I'm like, oh, God, maybe maybe Jonathan Brooks isn't that good. But we learned uh, early on that the dude is is a special, special talent. So I feel awful for him, man. I, I feel for the kid because he Mel Kuyper Jr. has him listed as his number one running back in this year's draft class. Mm. So, like, obviously, you know, from a, from a Texas fan perspective, I'm like, oh, this sucks because now our chances of winning aren't as high. But for Jonathan Brooks, like he was having a season good enough to where he was on NFL radars. He was in the Doak Walker conversation, but also he had a chance to be, you know, a top two or three round pick in the NFL draft next April. And you feel like all of that stuff is gone. So, uh, yeah, huge, huge bummer for him. Like you said, he bided his time. He waited his turn and he's done just about everything right for this Texas team this year. He's been the best and most consistent player on the offense. And it's going to be tough sledding without him uh, in these last couple of weeks because C.J. Baxter has gotten better, I think, as the year progressed, but he he still is a freshman. And Jaden Blue has done a couple of things, but we haven't seen much of him outside of mop-up duty, so I don't know what he would look like against really good competition in meaningful spots. Uh, there's no doubt this is a huge, huge loss for Texas, and uh, the run game will not be the same over these next few weeks. What's up, Hamza? Always appreciate you chiming in on the YouTube comments line. Hamza says, my theory, Brooks is excellent, but the O-line is so good that we'll be okay with Baxter. Like, Brooks didn't start, and I think Baxter will be fine. Last week, Baxter did have a 50-yard touchdown run. He's talking about the Kansas State game there. Hamza, I'd love to believe you, but C.J. Baxter has been running behind the same offensive line, and we haven't seen near the same caliber of player that Jonathan Brooks has been this year. Is C.J. Baxter a slouch? No, definitely not. But I don't think he has the game-breaking capabilities that Jonathan Brooks has shown this year. Probably going to see a little bit more Keelan Robinson back there, Jaden Blue as well. And hopefully a a combination of those three guys can come close to what Brooks and C.J. Baxter were providing 
the running back room, the rushing attack, and also running backs catching the football out of the backfield as well over these last couple of regular season games and going forward. Yeah, CJ Baxter's not Jonathan Brooks. He's, he's just not. Um, he, he doesn't miss a lot of tackles or break a lot of tackles, however you want to describe it. Like he's just He hasn't shown that. Now, hey, maybe this is his opportunity. He's going to get more carries over these next couple of weeks, and uh, maybe he showcases more of a consistent ability to make guys miss. But that, that's what Jonathan Brooks was great at, right? Like you said, it's the same offensive line he was running behind. Uh, and the offensive line did create some holes for Jonathan Brooks. You don't get 1,100-plus yards in 10 games by yourself. But he also had a really, really good ability of making guys miss, of breaking tackles, of juking defenders in space. C.J. Baxter, just like it's not like he hasn't broken a tackle at all this season, but the difference in that between he and uh, Jonathan Brooks has been staunch this year. So you don't get that running back who's going to... Like, that's what Bijan and Rojo did so well. It's like even a play that wasn't blocked well, those guys could find a way to pick up yards because they were just so good. That's Jonathan Brooks. If someone misses a block, Jonathan Brooks was good enough to break a tackle and still turn a play that should have been a negative gain into something positive. CJ Baxter, I just... We haven't seen that from him yet. So... Uh, it will be tough. Iowa State's got a really good defense, man. One of the best defenses in the Big 12. I think they are number one in total defense in this conference right now. They've been very good against the run. So, uh, yeah, not an ideal situation for, for C.J. Baxter in this run game to have to go up there and run the ball effectively against that group. But uh, obviously Texas is going to have to be able to do something on the ground to keep winning these games. Yeah, advanced metrics have the Iowa State defense as one of the top five in the entire country now that supposedly takes into account quality of competition too but this iowa state defense is a reason why they have a legitimate shot to make it to a big 12 championship game right now it's not the offense and ultimately i still feel good about texas going into Ames and winning this game because iowa state does one thing decently right now in offense that's running the football they're not a very good throwing team and if you can't throw the football you're not going to be able to exploit this Texas defense like you need to to really start making some things happen. I actually believe this is going to be a lower scoring affair on Saturday. I don't know what the over-under is right now, but I would be inclined to say tell your cousin to take the under. But ultimately, I do think Texas takes care of business and has a chance to clinch a Big 12 title game spot uh, that very last Friday against Texas Tech with Brett Yormark supposedly in attendance, although... <laughs> He is going to test positive for COVID next week. Oh, he already is getting symptoms? I would assume so. If mm. not by now, then uh, there's a, a slight sore throat forming by Friday. What what, uh, what type of score are you expecting? Like Texas was held under 30 for the first time all season on Saturday, and they scored 29. Are you saying less than that? I Yeah, I think that it's probably something in the uh, 24 to 10 range. Okay. Wow, 24 to 10. I'll take that. I'll take Old a two touchdown win. Yeah. Yeah. Like Michigan and Penn State. Is Texas going to run the ball 400 plays in a row to close out the Cyclones like Michigan did on Saturday? Probably not. If Jonathan Brooks were in there, maybe much <laughs> like it wasn't 30 straight, but much like they closed out that Alabama game. That's kind of what they were trying to do against TCU in the second half. They it looked like they were intentionally throwing the football less all the way up until Brooks goes out and then they needed more from Quinn Ewers. I think another one of the reasons why I think. Uh, you know, obviously he wasn't a hundred percent, but I think that he was more off than a lot of people realize is you just see it in his body language. Like he didn't, he didn't have mopey pouty Quinn Ewers face or body language going on like with last year, but you could just see a guy who was really laboring yeah, be out there helping this football team out. Obviously he goes into the locker room at halftime a little bit early. That's no doubt to get a little bit more treatment on that shoulder to make sure it's warm for the second half. And uh, I don't wonder if there was a conversation between head coach and quarterback at halftime that led head coach to understanding that they probably needed to run it a little bit more going forward to win the game to help preserve Quinn Ewers too. What if what if I <laughs> what if I told you that Texas ran eleven plays in the third quarter and they threw it on eight of them, Trey? Well, then I'm an idiot. Well, you're not the only one because I've seen a ton of Texas fans be like. Why do they run the ball so much? Why do they take their foot off the gas? No, I, I think the problem was they they didn't run it enough. They ran it a lot in the fourth quarter, but in the third quarter, they they threw it a bunch. Wow. They, they ran it three times for like 19 yards, which is more than six yards a carry. And they just kept throwing it. And then they it wasn't working. And then really the defense, I think, was the bigger reason why Texas just 
allowed that lead to slip away. You can't give up two-minute touchdown drives three straight times. Uh, that's going to cause some serious, serious problems. But, yeah, I don't I don't think Sark got all that conservative. I think maybe he could have gone even more conservative in the second half. I wish he did run the ball more in the third quarter, but it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of short pass attempts there. So, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the drive chart. Just Texas first offensive series. And it, lo- it looks like you're right here, but it, it was short passes. So they were clearly okay. trying not to push the football down the field too much. You had short pass completions to a couple different guys. Brooks runs the ball a couple of times. Ultimately, uh, they do get one first down there. But boy, that that's fascinating because it did feel like they were running it a whole lot more. I know, I know, and it, it it did to me too. And then I like went back and watched, and then I like looked at the play by play charts, and I'm like, oh shit, no, they threw it a lot. It just it wasn't working. So yeah, I think the narrative, the assumption was, oh, they they just tried to kill the clock and and run it over and over and over again. And Stark got too conservative, and that's why the offense sputtered. It's like no, they 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 didn't try to do that. Like Sark was trying to keep his foot on the gas, but it didn't work. Now there was a drive, Texas first drive in the fourth quarter where it was run, 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 run. My goodness, they they really did run what feels like 10 times in a row before uh Burt Auburn hits that 49-yard field goal. Yeah. Uh, Glad so- you brought that up. That was the only drive they scored on the second half was the drive they actually did run it. They they threw it on their first two possessions in the second half and they punted twice. And then you see more runs in the next drive with one short pass complete on a third and five where they didn't get the first down. I mean, maybe that's Steve Sarkeesian trying to run more clock in the fourth quarter and just get his team to the finish line. Um, but uh, there, there was a point, I guess, in the second half, but it wasn't the third quarter, uh, unlike what myself and, and plenty of Texas fans yeah. felt like. I, I don't mean to let Sark off the hook because it didn't work, so you're always going to get criticized if you call plays that don't work. and you, you should never score just three points and a half of football with all of the talent that Texas has. But I, I, will, I will defend Sark and say that he actually tried to do a couple of different things. Once again, didn't work. You can criticize him for that, uh, but it wasn't just a, a steady dose of only running the football for 30 minutes and just hoping and praying that was going to be enough to preserve a victory. It, it was running the ball out at a certain point, but I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with doing that. I actually have been calling for that for a long time now, yep. especially with Jonathan Brooks in there. Now, a lot of these runs turned out to be C.J. Baxter runs because Brooks hurts himself in the second half. And I've seen a lot of people suggest that the injury was the result of the TCU player who tackled him on his very final carry, really holding on to that leg and twisting at the end of the tackle. And while that play did look dirty, that was very Baylor-esque from the Art Bryles era. ACL injuries, which is the injury that Jonathan Brooks suffered, tend to be plant injuries more than leg-twisting injuries. So could it have... Uh, made the injury feel worse in that moment, yes. But my feeling is is that he probably hurt himself on that plant. It looked fairly innocuous, but oftentimes that's how ACL injuries look. Unfortunately, mm. yeah, I didn't. I didn't think the tackle was dirty or anything. It wasn't uh, the tackle that was dirty. It was like once the tackle was over with, he just like held onto his leg and twisted the lower leg in mm. a way that a lower leg doesn't like to twist on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if Sark will say today, or maybe he already, already did say today, exactly what moment the injury occurred. But you're right. It's usually non contact when we're talking about a torn ACL like that. So it could have easily occurred uh, before or after that moment happened right there. Uh, all right. Shout out to some of our great sponsors here. How about a, uh, a word first from our man Tom McKay over at AV Consultations? Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678 or on the web at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Shout out to AV Consultation. Shout out to Cobert B Cave as well. Trey, how did uh, the pregame show go out there on Saturday? Pregame went great. And man, Cobert B Cave was buzzing when I got there just after three. And it was still buzzing when we left at six o'clock, too. That place 
It's a popular location out in the Bee Cave area, and I completely understand why. It is a beautiful campus, uh, just great, friendly people working out there, and uh, they know how to take care of uh, whatever those car needs are, and they have a variety of types of automobiles to get to you as well if uh, you are looking for that new or used vehicle. Well said, my friend. Yep, the best selection, the best service, the best prices anywhere in the entire world. It's all out there at Covert Bee Cave. Of course, the Covert Auto Group has been around since 1909, but their new dealerships plural, because they've got three of them out there in Cobra BK. They've got everything that you need. Many thanks to them for their great partnership with us. And thanks, of course, to Altstadt Beer as well, the best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. Hey, how was the Sausage Fest that you were out this weekend? The Bachelor Party? Sausage Fest, yeah. You guys went to the Sausage Fest, right? We went to Worst Fest. Yeah, Sausage Fest. I guess, yeah, worst. Does that translate to sausage? Well, bratwurst or a type of sausage. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Shoot, that checks out. Wasn't all dudes, okay? <laughs> there were women there, all right? Was this down in New Braunfels? It was. Okay. Yep. They've got Worst Fest. I think it goes on for like 10 to 14 days every wow. year. And it's just... A, a bunch of debauchery, man. A lot of drinking going on. They've got beers in the big steins or the big pitchers that you can buy. It's kind of state fair-esque to where you have to pay for stuff with tickets, which is kind of annoying because you got to wait in extra lines, right? Just like the state fair, you got to wait in line for the coupons. Then you wait in line for the food. It's like, what are we doing here, please? We, uh, It's 2023. We can, we can upgrade here. Um, no, it's fun. A lot of drinking. Uh... A lot of people, a lot of debauchery. Make some I plays? Feel, I feel like shit right now, to be honest with you. Definitely Do you? Coming. Yeah, oh, I feel awful. Oh, have you finally gotten to that point where drinking drinking hard for a couple of days will uh, have a, have an effect even a couple of days later? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that exists. I'm also sore. I mean, we did a lot of like physical activity in like an Airbnb, and we were playing slosh ball, which is drunk kickball. Actually, a lot of fun. Uh, and just playing a bunch of other random sports. And I, I usually do zero moving on weekends, like from my bed to my couch and maybe to the kitchen and then maybe to the door to get Uber Eats. Like that's that's usually the extent of my motion on weekends. And this time I moved around way more than I should have and also drank probably more than I should have. So we're uh, we're sore. We're coming down with something probably. Oh, uh, we're powering through. It's all right. I don't yeah. think it's the clap or anything. I think we're okay. Oof. Hopefully yeah. it's not the hiv. Hopefully it's not the hiv. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was fun, man. It's uh, a little rainy, a little chilly at times, but good time. Worst Fest is uh, is a lot of fun. So you guys decided not to enter tube on the river then? Which is nah, no, no floating. Point. Yeah, no floating of the river. Uh, weather was not super conductive to doing something like that. It was yes, good. A worst aids. That's what that's what you would have gotten if you actually caught the hiv at worst fest. Is worst aids. That's what they call it. <laughs> yep, it's the worst aids. Is that what magic has? Uh, I think he has the best aids because he doesn't even show the symptoms anymore. No, they don't affect him at all. It's impressive. That whole thing might be a lie for magic. What do we think? Mm, I don't think it's a lie, but I think he had enough money to uh, to pay for the treatments to diminish the impact on the human body. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. That seems to be the cure, uh, as, as we've found. Yep, money seems to work. It's the cure for unhappiness, as they say. <laughs> it, is, it is indeed. Oh, man. Uh, around the Big 12, Trey? Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State? What? Like, dude, we talked we talked about it last week that there was something bizarre about that two and a half point line that seemed like such easy money for Oklahoma State that you had to swing the other way if you were going to bet that game. And sure enough, Vegas was way off, but not in the direction that everybody assumed. They needed to have UCF favored by five plus touchdowns. 45 to three, the final score in Orlando. And that game was over early. I mean, Oklahoma State did nothing right. They did nothing right. They couldn't run it. Uh, Alan Bowman, like, I, I don't know. It, it was confusing to me that UCF was wearing blue. 
Yeah. So maybe, maybe that confused Alan Bowman. He's like, "Who? Uh, what's going on here? Maybe the blue guys are on my team, which also wouldn't make sense because Oklahoma State doesn't wear blue. But he kept throwing it to them, and they, they couldn't tackle. Like UCF, just big play after big play after big play. They've got a good running back themselves, and uh, that kid went off on Saturday. I mean, God, if you're an Oklahoma fan watching that game, you must have been thinking, like, how, how the hell do we lose to that team, right? Oklahoma State had won five in a row. They were tied for first in the conference. They were top 15 in the country. And then they just go out and lay the ultimate egg. Uh, what a disaster by them, man. It felt like there would be a little bit of an emotional letdown. But yeah, Alan Bowman uh, returned to early season Alan Bowman form. Unfortunately for Oklahoma State fans, I think, think that they are still in the driver's seat just based on the collective record of teams that all have the same number of wins and losses right now. Like they do, uh, they do have a loss, but they beat Iowa State. No, they lost to Iowa State, but they beat Kansas State and Oklahoma. And I think that has to do with the, the total teams and your record against those teams that are at or above you right now. So if Texas beats Iowa State this weekend, obviously uh, Iowa State's not even tied with Oklahoma State anymore at that point. But that's just. Another one of those games that will work against Iowa State if they find themselves in a tiebreaker with Oklahoma State or somebody else. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, like we talked about how easy the last three games were for them, or at least were supposed to be for them. Uh, they didn't make it look easy on Saturday. They're at Houston and they host BYU. They, they should win both of those, right? They're only seven-point favorites at Houston this week. Ugh. Houston is really, really bad. And... Yeah, Houston played their last good ball, if I'm not mistaken, against Texas because they got blown out by Kansas State the week after that. They did beat Baylor, but that doesn't count for shit. But they did wow, beat Baylor in overtime. Baylor. God, Baylor. Is Dave Aranda going to get fired at the end of this season? My goodness, they have sucked. Yeah, he probably should, honestly. But Houston just lost to Cincinnati. I think that was Cincinnati's first Big 12 win. So, like, Houston's not good, but yeah, Vegas is saying that, hey, Oklahoma State is... Not as good as the record indicates. And I think, like, this is one of the least talented teams Mike Gundy's ever had. That's why it was so impressive that they had put together the win streak that they had. Like, there's not a lot of talent on that team. And I guess Vegas, with these lines that they're setting, is like, no, these guys, just, they're, they're really not that good. So uh, Oklahoma State should win out, should get a shot to make it to the Big 12 championship game. But who knows, man? The way they played on Saturday, if they play like that, they could lose the last two. A mess. Yeah. Uh, OU, OU figured it out a little bit. They look like the uh, first half of the season Oklahoma team on Saturday, 59-20 to 20 over West Virginia. Um, yeah, this game was uh, over early. West Virginia did score first to make it 7 to nothing, and OU fans were probably like, oh, like, are we about to lose three in a row? Uh, it was 31-7 to 7 in what felt like 20 minutes after that. So Sooners get on track. Dylan Gabriel, eight touchdowns for him. Uh, that's uh, that's more of the OU team we've seen for most of the year. How about Kansas getting upset by Texas Tech? Unfortunately, losing Jason Bean early in that game. And despite Devin Neal's best efforts, they just don't have enough. They have enough to tie it near the end. But then Texas Tech gets that uh, game-winning drive that ends in a field goal for them. And the Jayhawks, who had a chance to make it to a Big 12 title game, uh, those have faded just a little bit more. Yeah, I think they've completely faded, right? Because they've got three losses and all of them are in conference play. So too many teams with just one or two in the Big 12 right now. Um, yeah, congrats to Texas Tech, man. Wow, three-point win over Kansas's third-string quarterback. What a what a job you guys have done. What a program y'all have. Uh, sour grapes, of course. But yeah, I mean, Kansas with a third-string quarterback, not, not going to beat the whole lot of teams. So... Uh, nice win for Tech, I guess. They're playing some better football. They've actually dominated Kansas. I think they've won 15 of their last 16 games against mm -hmm. KU, which I feel like most teams have stats like that against KU. Uh, but Tech has played really well against the uh, the Jayhawks, and now they've got a shot to make a bowl game. If they lost that game on Saturday, uh, what, that would have been their sixth loss, and they would have needed wins against UCF and Texas. Now, if they beat UCF this weekend, that will get them to six wins in a bowl game. So they've they've got a shot to at least make it to the postseason, even though they were saying that they were going to win the Big 12 this year. Does the Tarleton State win count towards bowl eligibility? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, then they do have a chance if they can beat UCF at home because they're not beating Texas and Austin. 
No. Calling that shot right now. That's awfully bold of you. <laughs> You're saying a five well, and five team? Them. I go out on flimsy limbs sometimes. <laughs> You're saying a five and five team is not going to come into a nine and one team's house and, and beat them? Tech beats Texas in year in Austin in years where Texas is either trash or Tech is pretty good, and neither of those things are true right now. Texas is going to work them. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree with you on that one. Iowa State, nice win at BYU, forty-five to thirteen. No Keaton Slovis for BYU. Uh, BYU is just not very good. I think we've all kind of learned that over the last few weeks. They're they're getting beaten by everybody, and they're getting beaten by a lot by everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then K-State over Baylor, 59-25. to 25. So there's sort of an around the look of the Big 12. Texas is in sole possession of first place in this conference with two weeks left. It hasn't been the prettiest by any stretch, but my God, who would not have signed up for this before the year started? The Longhorns are in a great, great spot. They've got two games against okay teams. And Iowa State's 5-2 and two in the Big 12 right now. They're tied for second, so I'll, I'll give them some credit. They're having a better year than I think any of us expected, considering how their offseason ended, and hell, considering how their season started. Uh, but yeah, two games left. Beat Iowa State, you beat Texas Tech, you play for a conference championship. I think any of us would have signed the dotted line before the year if we could. Yeah, so Jonathan Brooks gets hurt against TCU. That's going to suck not having him the rest of the way. Jaday Barron left the game in the second half, and I don't think I saw him back in the game at a certain point, maybe late third, early fourth quarter. Uh, if you're missing him as well, then all of a sudden I do uh, I do get a little bit more concerned about the Iowa State game. Ultimately, I think Texas wins the game, but uh, you can't lose too many more important guys and have a chance uh, have a chance to. Gosh, you probably can still win the Big Twelve title with that, but you make it to the college football playoff, it could get ugly depending on the opponent matchup. Yeah, hey, I'll take it. I will too, but. I'm also going to go in with very low expectations, much like this Texas Rangers team mm. during the baseball playoffs a little bit more than a month ago. Yeah, I would have told you I like the Rangers chances more than the Longhorns, I think. Agreed. But I also didn't like the Rangers chances at all. So you never know. Maybe it's our year, man. Team's named Texas. It's our year. Hmm. And Rodney Terry's going to win a national championship in basketball, too. Okay. Mm. David Pierce will win one, and Jared Elliott and Victor. Every every school named Texas, every team named Texas is just going to win this year. Is Eddie Reese still in charge of swimming and diving? Because if so, they're definitely going to win one. I think it's his last year, I think. Something like that. The guy's kind of gone George Strait with the retirement bit, which, hey, it's fine because he keeps coming back and winning natties at Texas, so I'm I'm cool with it. But. <laughs> Didn't they have to talk about a retirement after the one year he wasn't there and things completely fell apart? Bill Snyder and Ron Prince. Oh, yes. I don't know if it was that bad. All right, we'll talk plenty more football throughout the course of the week right here on Trey and BK. And, of course, uh, Jeff Barker will be joining us here in a few minutes. Trey will be getting into the game there. Chip and Zay from 3 to 5 today. Uh, plenty more Longhorn and football conversation in general all day long. But uh, it is a little after 12.50, which means it's time for Where Are We At in Society. Trey, live read today? Sure, I'll do a live read today. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. They have some of the best customer service in all of Central Texas, as evidenced by so many five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and more. Pest Wranglers has been taking care of your pest problems going all the way back to 2006. Since then, Steve, the owner and operator of Pest Wranglers, a.k.a. our friend Cooter, has made sure to place a heavy emphasis on treating people right. He treats his employees well. In return, they make sure to provide excellent customer service, which you can find evidence in all of those five-star rating and reviews that I talked about a little bit earlier. Go to pestwranglers.com to find out more info and to get yourself on the schedule. And Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism, that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And today may actually be that day, thanks in part to one Lane Kiffin, BK. Whoa, Joey Freshwater? Joey Freshwater. I referenced this story last week, and so I have the audio to play now. Um... 
This is from Front Office Sports, who obtained audio of a heated exchange between Lane Kiffin and DeSanto Rollins, a former defensive tackle for the team who is currently suing Ole Miss and Kiffin for $40 million. His claim is that he was uh, he was dumped from the program unceremoniously after taking a mental health break. But there is much more to the story than that, which is what this audio speaks to. And I guess uh, tell me if you can't hear this once it starts playing. Otherwise, we're going to play it from beginning to end right now. I've got nothing. Damn it. Ah. Uh, well, unfortunately, I don't have that audio for you, unfortunately. Is it, is it an MP3 file? It's an uh, it's through Twitter. It's through Twitter. I can watch on X. Let me see if it plays here. You hear that? Nope. All right, you stall for a bit. I think I can get it. Yeah, everything looks like it should on my computer. I'm not sure what's going on here. Oh, okay. wait a second. Wait a second. I think I got it. Nope, I don't. Never mind. All right. Can you get it? Yep. In a minute. Okay. Well, this is uh, Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin talking to DeSanto Rollins after he took a two-week mental health break. But there was just one problem. Rollins made no effort to be in communication with his coaches or anybody within the program about this two-week break. He just decided to take a two-week break and ignored his coaches' requests for a meeting so that they could check in on him, hear what's going on, and make sure that they had a contingency plan in place. And Lane Kiffin, uh, he puts this kid in place as a result of this uh, audio that was apparently recorded by DeSanto Rollins, too, just to add some ridiculousness to this story on Rollins' side of things. I have not listened to this, but I think I've got it. So hopefully this is it. If you would have come here, when you kept any messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. What was it? Well, what world do you live in? I don't see why you got me disrespectful. Honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. See ya. Because I'm... See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being a f- It's called hiding behind sh- not showing up to work there you go so Mm. joey freshwater taking no prisoners with a guy who uh bailed on the team for a couple of weeks in the name of mental health but refused to uh accept requests for meetings so the coaches could check in see how he's doing and uh so then kiffin finally gets that meeting with him and uh, lays into him basically tells him sorry kid you're done yeah, I feel like that's how any conversation would go when you decide to not show up to work for two weeks in a row, right? I, I think that is uh, a good lesson for anybody who thinks that behavior like that is at all acceptable. It's not. That do- it doesn't fly in the real world. With, yeah. uh, with the billions upon billions that are on the line in college football, it also shouldn't be flying. And it's not, at Ole Miss at least. Uh, I love how Lane Kiffin's like, what effing world do you live in? Like that's that's a great question. What world do you live in where you could just not show up to school, to work, to anything for two weeks? People are trying to get a hold of you and ask what's going on, and then you just don't respond, and then you show up and think that everything's going to be normal again. Like, dude, I, I take mental health seriously. I know you do too. Uh, that's like that. That's you can't defend or you can't hide behind mental health for that type of shit. Like. Yeah, I'm just sure, I'm, a mental health issue. If it's somebody who's trying to exploit a loophole because people show sympathy for mental health, I definitely don't sympathize with you there. And you know, may, I hope everything is okay with this kid mental health wise. But even if you're if you're dealing with some personal stuff, uh, there, there's still there's a responsiveness that still has to be there for you uh, to be able to maintain whatever your current status is. Right. 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 And he like because I'm sure Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss would have tried to help if. 
you know, the player was like, hey, I'm going through some things. Like, is there anybody I can talk to or can you give me a day or two off? We see players take personal leaves from teams all of the time. I'm sure that would have been okay. You can't just not tell anybody about anything and then go in there and act like, ah, it's it's fine. You have to listen to me because I have mental health. Like, that's that's ridiculous. And then for this kid to go in and record the whole thing, it's almost like he was literally trying to go viral or something. Like, he just he, he wanted this to happen. So, he's, you said he's suing the school now? Suing the school and Lane Kiffin for $40 million. Yeah, that's $40 million. How do you justify $40 mil from that? I don't know. We also, uh, before uh, you switch out with Jeff Barker, BK, we do have an update on a story that we talked about, not in where we at, but we talked about previously on this show, maybe last week, as a matter of fact, the woman who tattooed her boyfriend's name on her forehead. Yeah. The boyfriend's name was Kevin. Oh, let me see if I could. I think I deleted that video today. Let me see if I can grab it real quick. It's all right. You don't need to grab it. You know why? Because... The woman who lives in the UK admitted over the weekend that the video was a fake. Oh. She admitted it was a hoax and that she was actually trying to discourage youngsters from getting naked. From getting naked? Yeah. Oh, excuse (laughs) me, from getting inked. I just misread that. To discourage (laughs) youngsters from getting inked. I was like, how the hell did that? Discourage youngsters from getting inked. It's definitely going to discourage people from getting a name tattooed across their forehead. So wait, were all of the tattoos that she had fake or just the forehead tat with Kevin's name on it? Because she was tatted up everywhere. According to Anna Stanskovsky, who's 27, she says, I regret my tattoo, but not this one, because this is actually not a real tattoo. Um... Yeah, so she all the other tattoos it looks like are real, but the uh, the forehead tattoo is not, and that's a good thing because this woman was attractive enough that we needed to not see her ruin her good looks with a tattoo across her forehead. But she does still have those neck tats. She mm. has tats that, all, that go down to the tops of her hands as well, so she is still heavily tatted up, just not tatted up on her forehead. You telling me Kevin Dunn is now single again? Kevin Dunn was always single. And if he was dating somebody who put his name on her forehead in ink, he would also be single pretty immediately once he found that news out. I saw the tattoo, man. That was his girl. His name was on her. So that means they were dating. She she is attractive without the uh, the tattoo on her forehead, if you'd like to see real quick. Uh, Yeah, sure. That's always going to be a good sell. Do you want to see an attractive woman? Yeah. Even with the neck tattoos. Yeah, not bad. I mean, she looks like she's dating a douchebag, but... Is that Kevin? That that might be Kevin. Mm. Kevin looks a little different. I haven't seen him in a couple weeks, Kevin. though. So. <laughs> Kevin needs to close his mouth. He's starting to attract flies. <laughs> uh, what a hoax. We've been lied to. We've been duped, hoodwinked, bamboozled. Led astray, ran amok, whatever the hell else Stephen A. Smith said in that rant. We got God, boys. Not happy with that. Yeah, I'm sorry to uh, tell you that Santa Claus isn't real, BK, but sometimes you got to learn the truth. Well, you know, it's not okay to lie to people, so stop lying to me, Trey. I tell you the truth some of the time. Not that time. Santa's real. He just is a piece of shit who skips my house every year. But I see everyone else get those presents, so I know he's real. I forgot you're stuck with Hanukkah Harry. Yeah, that guy just steals all my loose change whenever he comes into my place. It's quite obnoxious, man. You're supposed to leave stuff. He just grabs the coins that I have, and he's out. It's unfortunately stereotypical of Hanukkah Harry. (laughs) It changes behavior. Uh, Of course. Jeff, what's up, brother? Uh Oh, you there, Jeff? Are you muted? Can't hear you. Am I on? Yeah. Now we got gotcha. you. Now you're on. Is uh is turning the microphone on a, a part of a large part of this process? You think? <laughs> uh, every once in a while it matters, but you know, not every time. Do, I, I doing, doing TV. Let's say doing TV for as long as I have, you would you would think that that like never happens. It still happens like once every couple months. I'm like, oh yeah, like with the tease that we do before the segment. I'm like, might have wanted to turn my microphone on there. <laughs> Oh, happens to all of us. 
I do it all the time too. Hey, how about the text that you and I got from Jeff on uh, Saturday, BK, where Jeff was recognized for Texas sports unfiltered on the sidelines of the TCU Texas game. Let's go. Did that happen? Yeah. B- oh. BK, BK must've been caught up getting ready for the uh, post game show. Well, or he maybe was, I texted at, the wrong he, Brad. I don't know. Yeah, he was at a sausage fest all day on Saturday, Jeff. So he was <laughs> wasted with some stranger in his bed. Uh, oh, boy. man. So, yeah, weird. hey, a uh, sideline of the TCU game. Met a very nice Texas Sports Unfiltered fan. My guy, Seth. Big shout out. Um, I, I saw him kind of looking over at me, and he was like, he was like, are you Jeff? And I was like, yeah. And I thought maybe he was like, guy from austin or something like that and it's like oh, i may have seen you on the news or whatever nope nope you're that guy from texas sports unfiltered how about that let's <laughs> go moving up in the world baby come on i know i know yeah but yeah he said he big 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 fan of the platform big fan of all the shows and stuff so i love it gotta send seth a hat or something like that that's big time right there yeah big we'll time see, we'll see if he pops in the comments here or something i love it all right fellas i'll be listening you guys have a great show Thanks. okay hey good job yeah. I'll do it.